It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Today is the day that you ask the questions and I give you the answers. Tough week for the Blue Jackets. Uh, since we talked last week, the Blue Jackets haven't won a game. They're now in the midst of a six-game winless streak, losing streak, however you want to say it. And I only say winless streak because there were a couple of games there where they got points for going into overtime before losing. But the fact of the matter is they haven't won in their last six games. And that includes what really turned out to be a heartbreaking loss on Saturday night in Boston. The Blue Jackets were terrible in the first period of that game. Shouldn't have even been in the game at that point. They were down by the score of one to nothing, and then Boston makes a mistake late in the first period. Jeremy Swayman, their goaltender, had one get loose out of his glove, and Gus Nyquist put it in the net. And at the end of the period, it was 1-1. If you just looked at the score, you would have thought, well, the Blue Jackets must be playing hard. They must be doing really well. They were not. They were not. They were outplayed the entire period, but they capitalized on their chance and made it 1-1. Then the first minute of period number two, and and yes, that was in the final minute of period number one. In the first minute of period number two, Justin Danforth goes to the front of the net and finds a puck and puts it in, and the Blue Jackets had a two-to-one lead. And they had that lead over the halfway point of the third period. They were playing um, well enough at that point. They were stingy defensively. Elvis Merzlikens was great all night. But then there was a goal scored that made it a 2-2 game, and then late in the third period, The Blue Jackets get whistled for a penalty. Some will say maybe that shouldn't have been a penalty. I don't know. I honestly, I didn't see it, and I haven't looked at the replay on it. Why should I even punish myself if I agree with some of you that it wasn't a penalty? But anyway, it was a power play for Boston, and the Blue Jackets killed off one minute and 59 seconds. They were one second away from getting Andrew Peake back on the ice, and then Eric Halla went to the front of the net, And there was a puck that was thrown toward the net. It was about a foot and a half off the ice, and Halla tipped it home for his second of the game, and that turned out to be the winner as the Bruins added two empty net goals after that to make the final score look worse than it actually was. It read 5-2, to but it was a one-goal game uh, throughout most of the game all night. So that's tough. It's heartbreaking. And it uh, to me, it shows that the Blue Jackets are good. It shows the Blue Jackets are getting better. But here we are in April. You know, normally in a regular season, this is when things are really finishing up and the playoffs are literally right around the corner within days. This year we're going to the end of the month and then the playoffs will come. But it's still that time of the year where teams that are used to being in the playoffs, teams that know how to gear it up for the playoffs are doing just that. So the Blue Jackets, they are better. They are improving. But when it comes to that aspect of it being ready They're not quite ready for primetime. They're not quite ready to be a playoff team. They're not ready for the kind of push they're going to get from teams like the Boston Bruins, who they will play again tonight at Nationwide Arena to finish off a home-and-home series. So those are just facts. That's the way it is. And it's, uh, it's disappointing, but, you know, but they're in these games. And I know there are no moral victories. Justin Danforth said it after the game the other night. We're not here for moral victories. And I realize that, and I appreciate that. But... You know, with this team, they can take moral victories and turn them into something for the future. They really can. 
They don't want to hear it. They don't want to say it. They don't want to talk about it. But I, to me, that's it's true. I think the things that they're going through now. I talked with Pascal Vincent, who was acting as the head coach again on Saturday before the game, and and I said to him flat out, I said, playing a team like the Boston Bruins, who's trying to climb in the standings, trying to get a guaranteed spot, trying to get home ice in the first round, to be able to play in this atmosphere against a team like this that knows what they have to do, how valuable can that be for your young team? And he admitted it could be very, very valuable. I don't think they embarrassed themselves in that game. I thought they played hard. I thought it was unfortunate what happened to them at the end. But as I said, not quite ready for prime time. And that's not a knock. That's just the truth. And to me, there's nothing wrong with that. That's being a realist at this point in time. So now I want to find out what questions are on your mind so I can give you the answers to your questions and maybe make you feel a little bit better, maybe make you feel a little bit worse. I don't know. Who knows? We'll find out as we go along. But first, I've got to tell you about the good people over at Telhio Credit Union, as I always do. They're good people. They're great people because they bring you this show. They're great for that. I love them for that. But they do so much more. They take care of their members. They have all kind of different uh, things that, that make it a better place to put your money, quite frankly. What are the words that I'm looking for right here? They, they, they treat you special. They have services. There's the word I was looking for. Different services. Maybe it's something as simple as a personal checking account. Maybe it's a, a savings account. Maybe you need a personal loan. Or maybe it's for your business. Maybe you need a small business loan. You know, maybe, I don't know, you would know better than I do. So just go to tellhio.org and go around their website, click on the different tabs, and look to see what they have. And it's not just the services, but there are perks that go along with those services. The number one question that will probably be in your mind is, why should I join a credit union instead of being in just a regular bank? You'll find out why when you go to their website and find out all about them and about all of the great things that they've done in their years here in Central and Southwestern Ohio, the way they've treated the communities that their branches are in, they've given back to the communities. You know, that's just icing on the cake. To Ohio Credit Union, as I said, they're open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio. They're also federally insured by NCUA. All right, time to get to the questions. And where shall I start today? I'm going to start on Twitter today. Uh, questions that were sent to me at Bobby Mac Sports on Twitter. And I will begin with Jody, who says, Nick Felino's 1,000 game ceremony was very well done. Do you think that he will come back to the Blue Jackets organization after he retires? And do you think his number will be raised to the rafters at Nationwide Arena? Both very good questions. I do agree with you. It was a very good ceremony. I, I really thought that they, uh, they did it upright in Boston. You know, it's funny. He's played over 1,000 games. 599 of them happened as a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. So it was fitting that the Blue Jackets were there. That was the first classy thing about it. If you have the opportunity to do that ceremony when the Blue Jackets are in town, that's what you do, and that's exactly what the Boston Bruins did. So uh, that was great. That was awesome. And it was great that both teams were involved. Jarmo Kekalainen uh, presented a gift or a couple of gifts to uh, Nick Felino and his family. Uh, it was. It was It was special. It was very well done. And uh, Nick is a very appreciated guy, not just with the Bruins, not just with the Blue Jackets, but around the National Hockey League. Now, do I think that he will come back to the organization after he retires? I don't know. I don't know what his aspirations are. I don't know uh, if he's going to want to be involved after he's done playing, like we're seeing Rick Nash and Derek Dorsett and Mark Letestu and 
Aaron Johnson and Jared Bull, a lot of guys. A lot of guys are coming back and doing something. So I, I think if that's something he's interested in, there will be an opportunity for him. I feel safe in saying that. But um, you know, I can't I can't read his mind. And you know, I know he's getting older and he's slowing down and you know, who knows how long he wants to play. Like you're saying after he retires, what year is that going to be? Um, I'm not sure. So I don't know if he'll come back, but I, I would, as I said, I feel confident in saying the door would be open if he wants to do that. As far as his number going to the rafters, see, that gets a little bit more dicey. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way towards Nick. I mean, uh, you know, you go down and you break down the numbers and all of those things. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, the thing is, not just anybody's number goes to the rafters. And I know how important Nick was to this team for so long. But um, but I don't know. I'd have to sit and think about that. And I, At this moment, I, I would say that that's probably a reach. But I'm not sure. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, Rick Nash was no-brainer. You know, leading numerous offensive categories for years. All-time leader and all of that stuff. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I would. Uh, I guess we'll all have to find out the answer to that question together at the same time. Hey, here's an easy one from Mike the Fireman, who says, My daughter would like to know what is your favorite color. Well, you know, it's blue. It is blue. I, I used to be, when I was a kid, I liked green for some reason. I don't know, but I like blue, maybe more toward the royal or a sky blue, more of a lighter shade, perhaps, but... I don't mind wearing that union blue all the time, Mike. I'll tell you that. I don't mind that at all. Mark Carell II says, The last week is what I was expecting throughout the whole season. Not November and December when they gave up quickie, or yeah, when they gave up quickly, scrappy playing. There's where I see I started to go ahead to scrappy before I was done with quickly. Uh, not November, December when they gave up quickly, scrappy playing. Uh, playing hard, yet still falling short based on talent. These are the lessons that I expected. It sucks, but it's part of the growth. Is there someone in Cleveland that you want to see learn too? Now, that's a good question, and I, I'm i with your overall assessment of the whole thing. I didn't think, I, again, I, I've said this a million times. You're tired of hearing me say it, I know, and that's why I'm going to say it again. I told you they weren't going to be as bad as people from the outside said they were going to be. I told you that it wouldn't surprise me if they were in it till the end, and they pretty much have been. So when you look at it like that, um, don't be surprised. And I, that's pretty much what you're saying anyway here, Mark. I, I, I get it. I understand. Is there anyone in Cleveland that I want to see learn too? Well, I'll tell you this. There is a guy, and he just got called up yesterday, and that's Jake Christensen. As you look at the defense on this team and you see what's going on with it, I mean, you know, Dean Kukin is a guy they, that it was talked about. I shouldn't say they talked about it. They didn't. It was rumored and was talked about the fact that he might be traded. He didn't get traded. He's an upcoming unrestricted free agent. He's playing every game. Now, if he's in your plans and you are going to re-sign him, you know, that's fine. That's great. Um, but if he if he's not, then – no offense to him, get some new blood in here and look at some different guys. In the Boston game, Gabriel Carlson came out, Gavin Bayreuther went back in. But I think these are the times where you get a guy like a Jake Christensen who you're pretty high on, quite honestly, and he's been up a couple of times. He's played in a couple of games this year. Why not give him an opportunity? Why not make a, a spot for him uh, at this point? Let him play some games on a regular basis and see – 
where he is and, you know, kind of uh, assess. Here's another thing that Pascal Vincent said to me, which I thought was really dead on. Uh, when I asked him about playing against a team like the Bruins who are in a playoff race, he said to me, when you have young players, you can really get a good assessment watching them play against good teams. Like if you're playing against teams that are no good, you can assess them, you can evaluate them, but are you really evaluating it in the right way? Case in point, the Philadelphia Flyers are who the Blue Jackets are going to play tomorrow. The Flyers have stunk all year. They've been brutal. So when you're playing against them, I don't, you don't, or I don't think you get the same measurement as you do playing against the Bruins. The Bruins are a playoff team. The Bruins have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. The Flyers do not. The Flyers are not a playoff team. The Flyers are below the Blue Jackets in the standings. So to evaluate and really try to figure out what you have, these are good games to get those kind of players in. And so with Christensen coming up, I like this. I really do. He has 12 goals, 30 assists, and 31 penalty minutes in Cleveland so far this year. He's got four power play goals. He's tied for the American Hockey League lead amongst defensemen in goals, and he ranks second in shots, third, uh, tied for third in points, and he's tied for seventh in assists. Why not give him an opportunity? Why not give him a look? Carson Meyer also was brought up by the Blue Jackets. Uh, he was brought up as an emergency recall from Cleveland. So there might be some guys banged up. We'll find out about that uh, here on game day and, and see how that goes and see what's going on with that. But Jake Christensen's the guy, Mark. That That's the guy that uh, I want to see, and he's the guy that is now here. Is he going to play? Eh, we'll find that out. I, I don't see why he wouldn't, but we'll find that out. And Kilch has this one. It says, hey, Bob, interesting hypothetical. Do you believe the team's future number one centerman is on this roster or in the organization right now? I don't. I don't. I just don't think that he is. Um, and I, I can uh, – let me let me pair this up with uh, – thought I had another one here that was talking about um, – I do have another one here talking about Kent Johnson. But it doesn't have anything in there about uh, playing center. Maybe I have that in an email. I think I have that in an email. In any event, I don't think – that uh, the centerman is here. I, I really don't. Um, I think that's something they're going to have to acquire, and it's hard to acquire that guy. They always say you have to draft and develop uh, top-line centermen, and maybe you do, or maybe you can somehow catch a break. Here's what I was thinking of. It's an email from Marcus. It says, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Blue Jackets pursuing a center this offseason. I'm all for signing Patrick Laine long-term and feel like a signing like this is necessary to attract other talent as well. However, as you know, the Blue Jackets have had a continuous struggle at the center position, and there's no guarantee that Kent Johnson starts his career with the club or even plays center. There are a number of uh, unrestricted free agent centers out there, but one that catches my eye is Ryan Strom. He's been playing alongside Artemi Panarin this year, and New York's salary cap is a nightmare going forward. Do you think the Blue Jackets can get by with what they have, or would it be better to actually spend some of this cap money towards a quality center and then relieve some pressure on the other centers and lines? I feel it would change the dynamics of the team. Jenner can go back to the third-line wing, and Roslevic can, well, not be the top-line center. Uh, and uh, some thoughts on that. He wants to know that. So 
So I'll tie those things together. Uh, the Kent Johnson thing. I don't know if he's going to play center. They keep saying he's going to play center, but he's played wing in college. He went to the Olympics. He played wing. The center position is a demanding position. It takes a while to mature into it. Don't be surprised if he starts on the wing. Alexander Wenberg started on the wing. Pierre-Luc Dubois started on the wing. Alexander Texier started on the wing, still bounces back to the wing. So it's not a foregone conclusion he's going to be a centerman by any means. So that's a really good point. So if there's somebody out there that you can afford and it's not going to break the bank and, and, and it's going to fit in your group, then I fully believe that they will look into that. Uh, Marcus says, uh, I also agree the Blue Jackets could get an enforcer a defenseman, but only as a fifth or sixth defenseman or even a rotating seventh. I don't mind that perspective. I don't. I, I actually kind of like that thought. Uh, Marcus also has a, a Hockey 101 question. It says, the Blue Jackets skate left to right at home for two periods. Well, if you're sitting on my side of the ice, they do. If you're sitting on the other side of the ice, then they don't. But anyway, I understand what you mean. It says, I noticed other teams skate right to left at their barn, and I was wondering what determines that. Is it strictly the locker room layout? And Marcus says he's coming up uh, tonight from Cincinnati to catch the Blue Jackets and the Bruins. So safe travels, Marcus. Yeah, it's it's the layout. It's where the bench is, quite honestly. <laughs> that's, that's that's what it is. So you make that decision. And, you know, you know, we were talking the other day about, you know, renovating the underneath of Nationwide Arena because there's so many teams now that are taking out all these auxiliary locker rooms downstairs and, and they're putting clubs in there. We were just at uh, UBS Arena on Long Island, that brand-new arena there. There's a club right across from the visiting dressing room. There's another one down the hall. I mean, you know, it's that's what sells, right? I mean, the exclusivity of it sells. And if you can get people by the dressing room and they can see the players coming out, uh, then that's a bigger selling point. And we were just talking about, just as a group of us sitting in the stands with nothing else to do, we're talking about how could the Blue Jackets do that. And one of the things was – you know, if you if you put the um, if you cleared out that one side where the Blue Jackets come out, maybe if you switch benches, then you have a lot more room to go down there, and you can put a big club, and maybe you take the uh, the visitors and put them on the other side, and either build an, a tunnel to come out or make them come out somewhere else. And uh, but if you did that now, if people that buy seats behind the Blue Jackets bench, if you move the bench, then that creates a problem, right? If you have season tickets behind the bench, and now the bench is going to move then that's going to to create uh, could potentially create problems. So uh, that's that's why it's done. You decide how the layout is, you decide where your bench is going to be and then and then you go with it from there. All right? So that answers that question. Uh, Jason Jason R says, "Will Kent Johnson be joining the team soon?" It's my understanding if so, they'll have to burn a year of his entry level contract, but I think seeing the speed will help him going into camp and after seeing Mike Riley last night, it eliminates any fear of a situation like that again. Well, for those of you that aren't aware, Mike Riley, who plays for the Boston Bruins, was drafted once upon a time by the Blue Jackets. He was in college, and he opted not to sign. And then he became a free agent, and he initially signed with the Minnesota Wild, and then, you know, it didn't. Now he's bounced around a couple of times. But he's playing well now. So I don't think you have to have that fear. I I feel... I was told something um, by someone at the draft that Kent Johnson and his family were thrilled 
that he was coming to the Blue Jackets. So I don't think you have to worry about that kind of a situation. And, you know, if if you bring him in and you burn the first year of his contract, some people don't like that idea. I wouldn't have liked it a couple of years ago, but right now, I mean, he is in the future plans for this team. If you can get him in here and play some games, then I I think that is – that's not the worst thing in the world, right? Get him in here, get him around the guys that are here and are going to be here, and let him see what he can do. It's going to be very, very tough in the National Hockey League. It's not going to be a cakewalk for him by any means. Let's just say Michigan goes on, they win the national championship. Let's just say that for for fun. Uh, they wouldn't get done until this coming weekend. And then the Blue Jackets have left on their schedule one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games. That wouldn't work out too badly, right? That wouldn't work out badly. Supposed to play 10 to burn up that first year of the contract. Although there are other things that, you know, that, that may still have to happen. In addition, uh, depending what they work out as a deal with the agent. So remember, Elvis came over here and he burned up his first year and he didn't play a single game. So, I mean, there are ways to uh, there are ways to get around all of that stuff. Uh, what else do we have here on Twitter? Uh, Curtis D says, any updates on Texier? None. I haven't heard a word about Alexander Texier and uh, and his situation. I This is me personally, and I could be wrong on this, but I am not expecting to see him the rest of the regular season, personally. Nobody's told me that. Nobody said, hey, don't expect to see him. Nobody said, hey, he's coming back. I'm just out of sight, out of mind for me. He's not here, and I'm just not expecting him to come back this late in the season. And I really hope to be proven wrong, but that's what I'm expecting. Next question comes from David Lytle, who says, whatever happened to Liam Foody? Well, Liam Foody has had uh, some injuries this year for the Cleveland Monsters, so he's been in and out. He's a former number one pick of the Blue Jackets, so I'm sure that's what is on a lot of people's minds. Hey, where's this guy? When are we going to see this guy? And, you know, he's, we've seen him a little bit here and there, but he hasn't been able to find a way to stick with this team so far. And uh, like I said, he's he's had some injuries this year in Cleveland, and that is – kind of slowed down his season maybe because of those injuries I don't know this 100% but it could be because of some of those injuries that he's missed out on opportunities when there might be a call-up maybe this Carson Meyer emergency recall thing maybe that would have been different um, depending on Liam Foody's health so I don't know but but he has had a, a tough season when it's come to that Heather Miller says were Christensen and Meyer called up today from Cleveland as long-term replacements for Wierenski and Jenner this was a theory I had. I wanted to hear your input on the reason that they were brought up. Well, I told you with Christensen, I think it's it's a chance to get him into games and, and get a better look at him and assess him for next year. That's what I think. I'll find out when I go down to get prepared for the Boston game uh, today if there's some teeth to that or not. But um, for Carson Meyer to get called up on emergency recall, that must mean that there's injuries that could potentially have people – out of the lineup. That's that's when you make the emergency recalls is when you're in that kind of a situation. So I would uh, I would expect that's why. Remember, Carson was called up earlier this year in Buffalo when it wasn't known if Patrick Line would be able to play or not. And then Line did play, and Carson never did get into his first National Hockey League game. So, um, hey, good guy. You know, he's, uh, he's played well. 
uh, so far this year for the Cleveland Monsters. He's, uh, you know, he's he's done a good job, and uh, maybe he will get that opportunity. But again, emergency recall, if he's going to get that opportunity, that means that uh, somebody has, somebody else is not going to be able to play. Um, I want to go back to Foodie here for, for just a second, too, and and tell you about his entire season. He's only played 29 games this year, seven goals and 12 assists. So that's uh, the Liam Foody story right there as far as his stats on the year. Now, I'm also going to take a look here at what Carson Meyer has done so far this season. Uh, Carson has played 57 games, 16 goals, 11 assists for 27 points. So, you know, he's, he's grinding it out. He's changed his game a bit trying to become a, a harder player to play against. So we'll see what happens if we see him in a Blue Jackets uniform for the very first time in the regular season. Uh, here's an email from Brad who says, do the Blue Jackets have a guy they can call up as an enforcer? Uh, when Brad Marchand ripped the helmet off Andrew Peak on Saturday night because he didn't like being pinned to the boards and Peak has to go to the bench, Brad Larson needs a guy that sends the opposing player to the bench for maybe you should stay here for a while. Um, hell, all this player has to do is skate right now, says um, Brad in his email. And then he says, if you don't like that one, I absolutely hate replay offsides calls. A few weeks ago, goal was canceled because we were offside by half a skate. Official gives a safe sign, play continues, and a goal is scored. Video review calls the goal off, and we back up the clock. The officials don't have any credibility because if they were wrong, we can just erase everything that happened. A guy's offside by three feet, it may affect the play. But half a skate, can't see it with the naked eye, it's not offside. Let's compare. Chase lines up offsides and no official calls it. Burrow throws a TD pass to him. The opposing coach cannot challenge the offsides. No, he can't, Brad. He can't, but that's apples and oranges. It's a different sport. It's different rules. All right? Um, this... The offside replay is what it is. And it doesn't matter if it's three feet or half skate. If it's offside, it's offside. And if you can't see it with the naked eye, as you say, it shouldn't be offside. I see it with the naked eye. The officials, I'm sure, I'm sure at times see it with the naked eye. But it's easier for them to let it go and let video confirm and wipe off the goal. I th- That's what I think. I think sometimes if they're not sure, if they're not sure what they saw, if they see it but they're not sure, it's easier to say it's a good play and then go back and look at it in slow motion and find out it was a bad play. Just confirming what you thought you saw, but you hesitated on it, so you didn't call it. Am I saying that's right? No, I'm not. Am I saying that's how I feel it is? Yes, I am. Because it's there as a safety net. Replay is there as a safety net. If you miss it, it's going to get fixed. So you're not cheating anybody out of anything. Because look at this. Because here's what I, I feel, and I should talk to somebody about this. You know, I you know I like to rip officials and not talk to them, which is probably not fair. Okay, it's not fair. But I probably should talk to a linesman about this. But let's go with this other scenario here, Brad. What if they call it? a dead play and say it was offside and then you go back and look and it wasn't so they can protect themselves if they just let it go and then they go back and look at it oh yeah it was offside so 
sorry, the goal comes off the board. But if it's the other way, they can't change it. They can't go back and put the play back into action and say, oh, just pick up where you left off. You're streaking down the left side. You just hold on there for a second. Let him get up to speed. And here we go. You can't do that. So it's easier for them to say, no, everything's good. And I get, and that part of it I get. That part of it I understand. Uh, be a lot more blowback if you said that it was uh, an offside call and then it wasn't an offside call. Now, to get back to your thing about uh, do the Blue Jackets have an enforcer they could call up, they have a guy in Brett Gallant in Cleveland who has uh, played 47 games, has 85 penalty minutes. And this guy is as tough as they come. Here's the thing. He is uh, hes not on an NHL contract. He's on an American Hockey League contract, so you would have to sign him to an NHL contract. So that's one thing. Uh, he's also an older guy. I know he understands his role with uh, Cleveland, and you know he's, he's a guy that is very much feared in the American Hockey League. I, I feel he would be feared if he came up here. Now, is he going to be able to skate and keep up and do all the things that you need to do? That's a total another question, and maybe the answer to that question is no because we haven't seen him at all. I don't know. I mean, you could bring him up and reward him and have him beat somebody up if you want to. Uh, I would be fine with that, quite frankly. I can think of a couple of guys that I wouldn't mind seeing him go toe-to-toe with. But, again, that is, uh, that's me. Um. But again, if you're going to do that, if you're going to have that kind of a role, you've got to have, as we talked about earlier, you have to have somebody that's going to, somebody that's going to do it, you can have in your lineup. And I, and again, I really like that idea of a third pair defenseman who's tough and, you know, he doesn't, uh, you can, you can control his minutes. He's got to be able to play, got to be able to play, but you can control the minutes and he can still be there to get out on the ice in a matchup and, and keep people accountable. Um, here's Joe from Cleveland. And Joe says, what is the rush to bring Kent Johnson to the Blue Jackets this season? Would it not be wiser, once signed after his college season is done, to get him working in the American Hockey League and let him come to camp next year to earn a spot? You've talked about this in the past, having guys earn their stripes, so to speak, in the AHL and then work their way up to the NHL. seems to me that Kent should at least spend the last couple of games getting valuable experience in Cleveland before being handed the keys. I just don't see that he'd gain much being thrown into an NHL roster with only a few games left in the season on a team that is building for next year. Maybe I am missing something. Maybe you just want to see him up close and in person in Cleveland, Joe. And if that is the case, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> but here's my rebuttal to that. There's not many games left in Cleveland either. They are in seventh place in the North Division. That is last place in the North Division. They're not going to the playoffs. The Blue Jackets are not going to the playoffs. So to me, if he's going to sign that contract and he's going to turn pro and he's going to come in somewhere, just put him here. Put him here. You know, Cole Sillinger has been here all year at 18. Igor Chinikov has been here most of the year as a 20-turned-21-year-old. These guys are the future. He's part of the future. If Cleveland was going to go on a playoff run, if they were on a playoff if they were preparing for the playoffs and we're going to be in and we're going to play in the playoffs, I would have a completely different opinion about this, Joe. I would say absolutely. Do what Zach Wierenski did. Get out of college, go there, play, help take that team as far as you can. But they're not. 
it's going to end either way. And to me, there's no reason. I know, I know what I've said in the past, and I know I'm saying exactly the opposite, but the game is changing. I hate it, but the game is changing. And he's not going to be with those Cleveland guys next year, more than likely. He's going to be with these guys. So get him in here. Bring him in. It's the way of the world now. Okay. If you're good enough to do it, do it. And I said this before. I think I said this during the Olympics. To me, he's a little bit different because he's playing in college, but he did go to the Olympics, and he played for Team Canada. And I know the NHL guys weren't on the rosters, but the fact of the matter is he played and he was like a point-per-game guy. So he's got this incredible offensive skill. It's going to take him a while. Like, he could show up here next week, and he could be dazzling you with his offense, and he could come out at the beginning of next year and not be able to do a doggone thing with the puck for a while until he gets used to how the game is played every single day. It's very possible all of that could happen. But Cleveland's not going anywhere, so just bring him here. Just let him start to get acclimated to this what this is have him come in and play games against let's just look at the uh the schedule and have him play against the montreal Canadiens. have him take a trip to california and face the kings who are back to being good again have him play against Connor mcdavid in the edmonton oilers have him play two games against the tampa bay lightning the two-time two-time stanley cup champions i know they have three overall but they won the last two you know what i mean have him play against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Why not? Why not? Why not get some of that experience right now? Because if he's that talented, he's going to be here next year. Cleveland's not going to the playoffs. Why waste your time? Get him with the guys he's going to be with. Let him start forming those relationships. Let him come to a team that is very tight. They're going to have to accept him, too. I mean, it's a two-way street, right? They know about him. They they have seen his highlights. They've heard all about him. I'm sure they have. I know they have. And uh, he's got relationships to build. So start it. Just get it going. Simple as that. All right, before I'm done here, I've got one voice question to bring your way. So here it is. Hi, Bob. It's Greg in Cleveland. Quick one this week. Can you please explain the concept of a protected pick? I know you've mentioned that terminology a few times before and what the Blue Jackets got in trade for Seth Jones with Chicago, but I still didn't understand what the protected part of that meant. Thank you. You're right, Greg. That was quick, and I've got a quick answer for you. The conditions of that trade, if Chicago wins the lottery or if they move up to either the first overall or second overall pick, then the Blue Jackets are pushed from the 2022 draft to the 2023 draft. So as long as Chicago finishes third or lower, the Blue Jackets will get the pick in this summer's draft. If they win in the lottery and move up to the first or second place, then the Blue Jackets will not get that pick until 2023. So that is the condition. All right, the Blue Jackets and the Bruins going to close out not only this home-and-home series, but going to close out their season series tonight at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Tonight's game is presented by Advanced Drainage Systems. The puck will drop at 7 o'clock this evening. I hope you'll join us at Nationwide Arena for this. One more chance to see Nick Foligno play this year as a member of the Boston Bruins and hopefully see the Blue Jackets uh, come back and even out this home-and-home series 
with the Bruins after losing on Saturday night. Our pregame coverage starts at 6.30 this evening on the Blue Jackets Radio Network and also on Valley Sports Ohio. Thanks for all your questions once again today. Another successful Monday mailbag edition of CBJ in 30 is in the books. Tonight, Blue Jackets and the Bruins hit the ice at Nationwide Arena. That's going to do it for today's show. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.